0: Hello and welcome to Al Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Al Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapter. Here you will find practical tips for your agricultural classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from Oklahoma State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and visit our webpage at owlpelletsforag.wordpress.com. That's owlpelletsforag, all one word, .wordpress.com. This week, the Owl Pellets crew talks with Nick Furman from the University of Georgia about using animals as teaching tools. I know agriculture teachers and FFA chapters are often asked to bring animals to elementary schools and that most of us have animals of all sorts in our classrooms. Listen to Nick tell us some of the easy ways that we can make sure we are getting the most educational bang for our buck when teaching with animals. Now, on to the interview. Alright, we are happy to have with us today Dr. Nick Furman from the University of Georgia. Nick, welcome to Alpellets.
1: Well, thanks so much Dr. Myers. It's so great to be with everybody.
0: So, Nick, you've got a long history of working with animals as a teaching tool. Talk to us a little bit about your experience and what we're talking about here.
1: Uh, it, it's a passion of mine, Dr. Myers. And i tell you, it all started for me when I was about eight years old. I grew up in Maryland and I remember sitting on a little carpet square in elementary school when a guy by the name of Ranger Bill came to our class, brought with him a bunch of animals and taught us using these animals as ambassadors. And I remember sitting there watching this guy just mesmerized at how he was teaching us and how he was using these animals as literally an ambassador of this message. Uh, these are animals that had a story behind them and it really helped to form a connection with that guy that later became a mentor for me and really inspired me to go into this profession of teaching others how to teach with animals and all the benefits of that. So it, it started uh, many years ago and it's something I've always wanted to do and I'm living out today.
0: That's great. You used the term in, in there about message ambassador. What do you mean by that? How, how can an animal be a message ambassador?
1: That's a great question. I, I think the, the animal, if we if we let it have a personality and I think sometimes naming animals can really help with that if we let that animal have a personality and use it as an example into something that we're teaching about and let that animal be the the focus of our story. You know, storytelling comes up a lot in great teaching and it has an ability to mesmerize a group just in itself, the way we tell a story as a teacher. And I think using an animal as a character in that story helps that audience to identify maybe with that animal. Maybe it's one that they've seen on television or in their own backyard. And it helps them think about particularly as a teacher, how can I move my audience from awareness to action, Mm -hmm. from being aware that an issue exists in my community, my neighborhood, my county, with regards to this animal, and then allowing that animal to to inspire action to help it and other similar animals.
2: So you talk about having the animals almost kind of tell the story of their species if there's an issue or a problem in a community. Is that the only way to use animals? Because I'm thinking like... I don't know, it's kind of neat when you can get some more exotic animals around, but they, of course, have no issue in in my community. Or it might be tough for me to get, like, a red fox or something. You know, so um, so what other ways can we use animals in the classroom that might, um, you know, help our students?
1: Well, I think that's a great question. I think in the simplest sense, a, a locally relevant species, and as a teacher, we, we have the ability. Ability to get a hold of these, not only for ourselves, but also through guest speakers that can come in like Ranger Bill did. So if, if you can't yourself get a turtle or a snake to bring into your classroom maybe that you have at home or that you found and you feel safe working with, you can invite guest speakers in to bring those animals in and then use them. But I, I tell you, as a really great example, animal serve as a wonderful interest approach. And we always talk about the importance of that hook at the start of that class period as the kids are coming in from that previous class, Wanting to turn down the noise and all those distractions in their mind, it's really a lot of fun as a teacher to be able to say, for instance, well, here, you know, everybody, we're going to be talking today about the importance of habitat fragmentation, and and maybe I like, bring this little fellow out, you know. So maybe we've got something like that where we're able to look at and talk about a little box turtle like this, a locally relevant species for folks at least on the East Coast and be able to use this guy again as an ambassador of a message related to habitat.
3: So, a lot of fun there. So, Nick, one of my questions is, um, you just held up a turtle, which no one could see. He was and so, so cute. He was. He was so happy. He, like, said hi and did all kinds of neat things, did a little it's a trick. Scooter, by the way. It's a scooter. Really believe in me, but too, that think It's important to form that connection with him. Awesome. Well, I guess the one thing that comes to my mind is, as a teacher and as a principal of a secondary school, you know there's always so many policies um, associated with live animals in classrooms. So what what are some suggestions you would have? Because you know, as teachers, you know the ag facility, Sometimes we think about the hogs or the sheep or some of those bigger animals. We have facilities and structures in place, but um, a snapping turtle, you know, there there is some risk there. So how would you manage or encourage students with um, school policies? Well, I would say first of all is to be upfront with your
1: administrators about your intentions, and that, that's number one. And I, and I also say if you can get stock in, in hand sanitizer, that'd be a good <laughs> thing, and I'm sure use a lot of it myself. But I, I'll tell you, one of the best things you can do is be up front with your administrators, number one. Number two is to reach out to your state's Department of Natural Resources. These folks, have a, most states have an education division as part of their Department of Natural Resources, and there are folks that can work with you in your state to develop what's called an educational plan, which is usually a one to two page document. Then the educator can submit to their Department of Natural Resources to get a permit to have animals in their classroom. It shows that the educator has an idea of how the animal is gonna be used. And it also can protect that educator sometimes from a liability standpoint because the Department of Natural Resources is aware of what they're doing. And then also their administrator can give them more details on that too.
2: Is there any way to prepare our students for an animal coming in? Because you know, you, we focus a lot on the safety of the kids, but there's also, of course, the safety of the animal to consider and making sure that, that they're in an environment that's um, going to be safe and uh, not too overwhelming for them. So how do you help teachers prepare their students for a visitor?
1: I think it's a great question. The first thing I want to say, to Dr. Shoulders, is that we as educators have to feel comfortable with that animal first and foremost. If the educator isn't comfortable with that animal, I've known educators, just to give you an example, that, that have thought and we have found in some research that, that snakes have a real appeal for audiences. There's that excitement factor, there's that reaction that the audience gives the educator. It may not be for everybody, but I've seen educators try to use a snake in their classroom. And, and they feel nervous. And it's obvious that they are nervous. And then as a learner looking at that, that makes them even more nervous. Like if Mrs. Brown was to drop that, she wouldn't know what to do with it. And then and then everybody's in chaos. So number one, the educator's got to be comfortable. But to overcome that sense of anxiety, maybe for your students, and even for you, I would encourage teachers to use vicarious exposure, for example. you know, Show a video, a YouTube clip, or direct the students as a homework assignment to some web page or do some reading about an animal to understand its behaviors and what kind of environment it needs. It kind of gets the, the stage set for what they're about to see. I also believe that that's important because it's going to allow the students at least some idea of what's about to come in, but I do believe as an educator it's important to have a surprise element to what you're doing. I wouldn't tell the students that on this day it's coming in, but just something to be ready for in the next couple of weeks. So that, that that surprise element is there. So important when we're teaching, especially trying to turn down the noise, the distractions that their students have in their minds.
0: So, so Marshall kind of hit on this a little bit ago, Nick. in our in our a lot of our classes, our high school teachers that we're talking to here today, they have the opportunity to bring in things you talk about turtles and snakes and owls and and because they, they might have a natural resources unit or other things they are going to be talking about in the local community. We also have a lot of programs where we have more, um, you know, livestock animals that we might, we, we might have. And so when I heard you talking about taking an animal into a project, a lot of times I can remember when I was using high school or even now with my sons in high school, their schools go to an elementary school and they're asked to bring a hog or a goat or a calf or, or whatever else. So what are some things that we should be doing to prepare our students when they're acting as, as the teacher, as the guest speaker, for maybe a younger group or community group so they know how to best handle that animal in an educational way.
1: I think first and foremost is, and I get back to that, the idea of the teacher being comfortable, if the student then becomes that presenter, the student has gotta be comfortable. And I think the importance of pilot testing, we use that in research a lot, but pilot testing what the student's gonna do before a small audience, maybe even of their family or that local extension agent or the FFA advisor, test running exactly what they're gonna do beforehand So that when the animal's there, things are going to happen that aren't expected. And I think, to me, that's one of the joys of teaching with animals. They give us a lot of teachable moments. (laughs) And that's something that we ought to capitalize on. We don't want a teachable moment like a hog getting loose in an audience and then we have to deal with that. So I think pilot testing and trying things out ahead of time and and knowing that students should know that there's an adult that's somewhere nearby that's going to be able to help them should things go awry and that we can deal with that. I've had a lot of different things happen to me in front of an audience uh, with with animals, and I think it's important to be prepared. But you can never be too prepared
3: uh, for what could happen.
1: So, and capitalize on it. If things go a little bit off. That's okay. That's a teachable moment.
3: Okay, Doctor Furman, I'm a teacher. What's the best classroom pet, and how do I take care of it and use it for instructional purposes? <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's a great question. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to some research that we've very recently
1: done. Uh, one of my grad students looking at at reptiles versus small mammals, looking at naming versus not naming, looking at exotic versus native. Here's what I tell you that we know: we know that that animals that have fur mm-hmm. tend to be the most. Um, beneficial in terms of forming a relationship with younger audiences. I'm talking ninth grade and and lower. So a dog or a cat in a classroom that's comfortable there is going to be a wonderful addition. If you have something that is a little bit more exotic, maybe it's an iguana, maybe it's a certain kind of turtle, that's going to be appealing to some students, but they need, here's what we're finding, a student, particularly a high school student, needs to be able to see that 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 animal responds to them. And sadly, a turtle or a snake isn't going to respond to them the way that a dog or a cat or, or maybe even a hamster or a guinea pig would. So animals that can interact with us tend to, tend to be the most beneficial. And, and when you go to integrate them into the classroom, we encourage that same animal to be there throughout the semester or year and give different students opportunities to interact with them and take care of them. There's a lot of uh, benefit to that. I've worked with a, with a middle school teacher here in Georgia not too long ago who's dealing with special needs students in the middle school. And some of these students were just able to hold. She had some rats in, a, in an aquarium in her classroom. And some of the students would hold these rats. She had a guinea pig. And it would really um, enhance their learning experience, reduce some of their anxiety. A lot of great benefits there with those animals. We find that mammals tend to be the best there for that.
0: Great stuff. So, so, Nick, as ag teachers are talking about this, what are some of the benefits that you have found of incorporating these live animals with the students? How, how do you, you know, first of all, what's the benefit, and then we'll talk about how you do it.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, number one benefit of having animals in the classroom is I like to use those animals and things. I like to get those animals out and handle them. If I'm handling them, I've got everybody down close to the ground just in case someone was to drop it, whether it's a hamster or a turtle or a snake. Everyone's sitting on the ground. Everyone's just a few mm-hmm. feet above the ground so that we're able to teach for that thing. Um, but I think that that's, that's really, really important. The benefit, number one, I think is for public speaking. Some of the research that we've done here at University of Georgia has suggested that everybody, of course, we know a lot of people have anxiety toward public speaking. But when you can have an animal that a student can handle and teach with and present with, we're finding that the attention gets taken, in terms of the presenters view, off of themselves and put onto the animal and that really helps them be more flexible it helps them connect better with the audience and, and literally just relax even if it's a student handling a snake that may have been a little nervous around that snake weeks prior. They get excited holding the animal and they get excited knowing that their audience is going to be more attentive to what they have to say. So I think number one benefit is with that communication and communication anxiety, and using those animals to help us communicate, critical career skill uh, that we're trying to promote in all of our students. Right.
0: So when we go back here, I'm a teacher. You got me convinced. I need to get some live animals. Some uh, here, a mammal. I got to get a mammal in my classroom. What are the ways? What are the things I need to do? The first steps of how I make sure that that's a, I, I use that as a teaching tool, and it's not just sitting in the back of my classroom that the kids come by to, to look at.
1: So, and here's the thing, I love that you said that I'm convinced i got to get an animal, but here's what I would say first. I would say to those teachers watching this, you you watch this, and maybe I've sold you on the importance of using animals and benefits that animals can produce for you and your students. I would go back and look at your curriculum, you know, talk to your administrator or your mentor in your school. Look at the objectives, the standards that you're trying to meet, and, and don't try to force an animal into what you're doing. Look at what already exists and say, where could an animal I'm fit in really well here. And if it's just a a one or two time kind of a spot, maybe that's a place for a guest speaker to come in. And maybe I don't need my own in my classroom. And so just kind of asking yourself, looking at your curriculum and trying to see where would an animal fit best. Maybe it's a topic that that you've seen your students really struggle with getting enthusiastic about. It's just a, you know as a teacher, ah, I gotta get ready to start this unit, and that's tough for me to teach, and I know it's boring for them, and what can I do to liven it up? Sometimes an animal can really help with that. I, I use reptiles a lot when I talk about statistics and all the different ways that reptiles evaluate their environment, very similar to how we look at different pieces of data and, and determine consistency in, in information we're getting in research. So I use reptiles because it, it excites me, but it also brings a level of excitement to, to a learning environment for students It just gives them that extra pep and on the edge of their seat ready to, see what Ranger Nick's
2: got to do next. Speaking of which Ranger Nick, I want to um, share with our audience members that, so we're watching you, it looks like you're in a fairly formal office. I see some house plants, there's like a printer, a nice lamp, and yet you held up a turtle. I'm real (laughs) curious, what else do you have there? Well, I, I did I did bring Scooter in today.
1: I brought I brought Scooter in today just for y'all. I knew that y'all would he, he doesn't live here in the office. I just bring him in. You know, I do anything and look, he's waving at you there.
2: Hi yeah. oh, Scooter. I
1: and and here's another thing too. I you never know what I'm gonna have in my office. Not loose, but just in an enclosure in my office. And that's a great thing because you talk about student rapport and instructor student relationships. I really think that animals make me more approachable, I mean, not maybe that I wasn't before, but I think having an animal, students come by all the time and wonder what I have in the office and then want to check it out, and I think that builds a relationship, reduces some of that anxiety, maybe reduces some of that, that um, nervousness they might have about approaching a teacher and asking them a question. I think that animals make us all seem a little bit more human, a little bit more normal, if I could use that to describe myself, and, and I think that's gonna help in the long run with our students. Even those ones that might be a little nervous about coming and asking a question, when they see us with an animal, it makes us more
0: approachable. Dr. Nicholas Furman, University of Georgia, thank you so much for being with us today on Owl Pellets. Uh, it was friend, some great
2: and I love the name. It's Owl Standing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first pun we've had on here. Well done, Dr. Furman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Plenty of <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you, Nick. We appreciate it. We know some great tips here on using guest speakers, figuring out where animals fit into our curriculum and some great ideas here on some ways to to use them as an interest approach or other ways to really enhance the curriculum and the things that we got going on. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This week's episode of the Owl Pellets Podcast is brought to you by the Department of Agricultural Education and Communication at the University of Florida. Invest in your potential by enrolling in a graduate program designed with you in mind complete your Master of Science in Agricultural Education and Communication in just two years while working full-time all without ever having to step foot in a classroom. The University of Florida is leading the way with innovative online courses delivered by award-winning faculty. Learn more by visiting aec.ifas.ufl.edu. Apply today to find out why it is truly great to be a Florida Gator. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode also we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well so for kate and marshall this is brian here by the owl pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of owl pellets tips for ag Teachers.